We must first believe that God's always there. Everywhere I am, God is. I love the way the psalmist writes it. He said, God, if I make my bed in heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. It doesn't make a difference where you, where I am. You are. I love to put it this way. People say, well, you know, does God know everything? Well, simply, before was, was, God was. So guess what? I think God knows everything. Can you say amen? And look what he says here. You come to God, you know He's always there. He's already there. He's been there. He is there. He will be there. And this is the key that he wants to reward you and I as we purposefully, diligently, with all the depths of our being, seek him. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. So now open your Bibles because we're going to get into the Word of God. If you have your scriptures in front of you, a lot of scripture to look at, but we're going to text this out of the 63rd Psalm, and what I'm going to do this morning, even though it's very difficult to do, I'm going to take you through 150 Psalms. No, we're not going to be here until 8 o'clock tonight. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the God who is always there. We are continuing our series on knowing God and on on building the Christian life. And we're actually in part 7 of this series. And what we've done thus far in the last several weeks is we've looked at many aspects of building intimacy with God. And I just want to ask you, just by a show of hands, how many here during this, this series have said, Pastor, I have been learning to get closer to God, and I have been getting closer to God? Anybody at all? That is a tremendous blessing to, to yours truly. Why? Because that's the only reason I do what I do. Folks, you don't need another sermon. You don't need another church. You don't need another ministry. You need to grow in Christ. And... The only way that happens is when you take and begin to apply, and I take and begin to apply God's word to my life. We've looked at many aspects of building intimacy with God and his desire to those that love him. But in all of the things that I've learned in my 30-plus years of ministry, the greatest comfort I know is when I understand that the ones I love and the ones that I've committed my life to are always there for me. I know my wife is always going to be there for me. I know my family. They may be across country. They may be around the world, but they'll always be there for me. There are some friends that will always be there for you. 
But the scripture says very plainly, we have a friend that is closer than a brother. And how many know what his name is? His name is Jesus. So in the whole of this series, you and I, by God's grace, have concluded to build our Christian life, we must develop intimacy with God. And to do this, it all bases on one simple little five-letter word, and that word is trust. I can have an intimate relationship with friends, relatives, family, because there's an unconditional trust. Can somebody say amen? How many here have a pet? You know, you can have a bad day, and you can even talk bad to that animal. And aren't you glad that he can't talk back? Or she? But you know what? When you walk in, my wife and I are gone for a day. We can be gone for two or three days. But there is nothing greater for our two little girls at home, our two little pets, that when they hear that garage door open and that garage door close, we hear them on the other side, they are, they are the most zealous in the world in welcoming us back. Why? Is their love is overflowing. No strings attached, totally unconditional. They totally trust that we're going to take care of their every need. Brothers and sisters, there is a God that we serve that does the same thing. His name is Jesus. Can you say amen? I hope it's okay, but I'm going to talk about him a lot today. Yet the sad reality in Galatians 4, verse 9, Paul is talking to the church of Galatia, and, and he says, now that you know God, and, and I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, or should I say, God knows you. Look at me for just a moment. The Bible says very clearly in the book of John that God does not hear the prayer of sinners. Matter of fact, the scripture goes on to say the only prayer from a sinner God hears is a prayer of repentance. And then God knows you because of the blood of Christ. Can somebody say amen? But Paul goes on here in this passage and he says, well, you know God, or rather God knows you now, but why do you want to go again to become a slave to the weak principles of this world? I love the way that the King James says it, the beggarly elements. You see, God loves his children regardless of how bad you and I have been. Look at somebody and say, that might have been pretty bad. Yet it is amazing how many Christians do not really have this intimate relationship of knowing God. If you and I were to look around the world, and many of them work, we have co-workers, we know other brothers and sisters, and I say that because that's what they are, but they're very shallow. It's more like a Jesus fan than a Jesus follower. I remember in our church in California, there was a young man, and this guy truly was a follower. This guy truly was on fire for God. His license plate said, Jesus fan. And I thought that was kind of an interesting license plate, but it is a valid thing. I'm not only a Jesus fan, though. I take it a step further. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Jesus disciple. I'm a Jesus committed person. And how did I become that way? Galatians 3.26 says it this way, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. On our Wednesday night classes, we're learning that faith is more than just a a noun is more than just a word. It is a verb. It's an action. It is a lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, Christianity is not a pastime. It is a lifestyle. Can you say amen? 
through faith in Jesus Christ, this intimacy is built. Am I making sense today? Psalm 63, let me take you through it. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Does this sound like a person that is really thirsting after God? I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your glory and power. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I will praise you. I will praise you. He said, God, I've sought you. I've longed for you. I've looked for you. And now that I've found you, I'm going to praise you. As long as I live, I'm going to lift up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake at night just meditating. Have you ever done that? In the middle of the night, you can't sleep, and all of a sudden, your mind is taken heavenward, and you're just meditating on the things of God. Or your mind in the middle of the night, you're taken, you're waking up and the enemy's trying to torment you and you get into battle and God all of a sudden takes you heavenward and says, this is the victory you have. You satisfy me. I lie awake at night meditating because you are my helper. Underline that, would you please, in your notes. Because you are my helper. I sing for the joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, and underline this, your strong right hand holds me securely. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want to do this morning is help us understand God is always there. But it's going to take your faith and my faith to realize that. Hebrews chapter 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So look at me just for a moment. Going to church, I'm going to say this, and people are going to sit back. I knew I didn't have to be here. Doesn't please God if you're not living by faith. Because a lot of people just go to church because that's their Christian duty. Well, don't look at me like that. I've done that before too. I've come to church sometimes just because I knew I should be there. Bob, will you be honest with me and tell me, yeah, you, yeah. How many are here this morning? Be honest, because you know you should be here. Good. My friend Leland. Think about it. There are times that we have a sacrifice because we know, God, this is the right thing to do. How many ever did right when you wanted to do wrong? You see, the Bible says that we have to deny our flesh. We crucify our flesh. How do we do that? By faith. Because our natural tendency is to go this direction, and God says, no, I want you to go this direction. Someplace in my Bible, and hopefully it's still in yours, it says narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. But broad is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many... Without faith, folks, that's what's going to get us through that narrow gate. Without faith, that's what it's going to take to make us do right. Without faith, we can never do the things that God wants us to do. And then it goes on to say, for he that comes to God must first believe that he is. 
We must first believe that God's always there. Everywhere I am, God is. I love the way the psalmist writes it. He said, God, if I make my bed in heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. It doesn't make a difference where you, where I am. You are. I love to put it this way. People say, well, you know, does God know everything? Well, simply, before was, was, God was. So guess what? I think God knows everything. Can you say amen? And look what he says here. You come to God, you know he's always there. He's already there. He's been there. He is there. He will be there. And this is the key that he wants to reward you and I as we purposefully, diligently, with all the depths of our being, seek him. You say, Pastor, what happens when I, when I don't do that? Well, Second Timothy says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He remains faithful. I want to take you a quick trip around the book of Psalms. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about this God that's always there. Psalm 23, we know it very well. It says, he restores my soul. He leads me beside the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Not for yours, not for mine, for his name. He leads me because this is his nature. This is his heart. This is his love. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Underline that in your notes. I walk through. He didn't say build a house in. He didn't even say pitch a tent. How many are going through something this morning? Thank God you're going through it. You're not staying in it. You're going to get on the other side of it. Yea, though I walk through the valley, and listen, it's only a shadow of death. Look what he said. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fear. Why? Because I know you're there. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Let me break it down into simplicity. The Bible says he is my salvation. He is my redemption. He is the one that has taken something worth nothing and made it worth something again, which is the person sitting in your chair and mine. Can you say amen? He is my guide. He is my companion. He is my comfort. He is my strength. I don't have to be afraid. If I'm not preaching to anybody else, I'm preaching to me this morning. So if I get really enjoying this, that's okay. Come along if you'd like. But if not, that's good. See, this produces a great confidence in me. I could be standing at the gates of hell itself. And God said, don't worry, dude. I'm standing beside you. Let's go to the 27th Psalm. The Lord is my light, my salvation. So underline this. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Go ahead and underline it, folks. So why? Should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, go ahead and put somebody's name right there where that evil person name is. It might be your name. It might be your husband's name. It's your wife's name. It might be whoever. When evil people come to devour me, when the enemy and the foes attack me, God, <laughs> I kind of picture it like this. God is sitting there with his foot out. Ooh, I, oh, they stumbled. Think about it for a second. God said, Pastor Tim didn't say, Victorious Life didn't say, 
God said they will stumble and fall. Does that encourage you just a little bit? Though a mighty army surrounds you, God's getting into the big leagues now. My heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked. You you didn't know I was going to get there, did you? Well, pastor, what if all this stuff and something still happens even if I am attacked? What am I going to do? Remain confident. Why? His promise, I won't let you go through what you can't handle. Let's go on. The Bible says he's my encouragement, my hope. See, these traits are the heart of God's gifts towards those that love him in so much as that the enemy has no certainty of victory over you and I. The only time the enemy can win is when he can distract you out of the protection of God. You say, Pastor, how does he do that? When you try to do it on your own. Folks, I've tried to stand on my own, and I've fallen flat on my face. I know what concrete tastes like because I've buried my face in it many times. As you all well know in this church, I'm a connoisseur of leather. I've stuck my foot in my mouth more times than you can imagine. Somebody say amen. I know I'm talking to me. Like I said, this is me this morning. Let's go to the 46th Psalm. God is our safe place. Look at me. There's times in our life when all hell seems to be breaking loose. There's times in our life when every pressure in the world, and God said, you can come to me, I'll be your safe place. You can come to me, I can be that hiding place. You can come to me, I'll be that secret place. And he said, not only will I be that, I'll be your, I'll be your strength in the middle of it. He is always our help whenever we're in trouble. I'm going to have you underline this whole thing. He's always our help. So we will not have to be afraid. Though the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the center of the sea, though the waters go wild and the storm and the mountains shake with this action, I don't have nothing to fear. The place of my refuge in time of trouble This should give you and I the comfort that God is always there. In the midst of the wrong, he's there to help you and I do right, regardless of the situation. Why do I say it that way? Because some of the situations we folks, we get to, have nothing to do with the devil. I know we like to blame the devil, and we like to say, well, the devil did this, and the devil did that. Folks, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but the devil many times is wearing our shoes. Look at somebody and say, this guy knows what he's talking about. We blame the devil too much. I went to, to lunch with Jack Klaus the other day and had a great time. And, and one of the statements he said, he said, Pastor, are you here, Jack? He might, you know, somewhere. He said, Pastor, we give the devil too much credit. <laughs> yes, we do. Why? Where God is, the devil can't be. You didn't hear it. Where God is, the devil can't be. And as long as you and I are safe under his wings, he said, I'm going to keep trouble away. And even if you do, you can be confident that you're in my safe place. 
You're in my security. You're in my strength. Let's jump down to one of my favorite psalms, the 91st Psalm. I'm going to read a few more verses. I'm reading out of the living version of the Bible. Listen to what it says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. He will rescue me from every trap and protect me. It says you in your scripture, but I'm talking about me this morning. If you liken this, grab a hold of it and say, well, I'm talking about me too. He will protect me from deadly disease. He will cover me with his feathers. He will shelter me with his wings. His faithful promise is my armor, my protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors by night, nor the arrows that fly by day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, or the disaster that strikes at the midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand are dying all around you. These evils will not touch you, ladies and gentlemen. Are you finding out God's always there? If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Lord your refuge, let's change the you to I and read it with me, would you please? If I make the Lord my refuge, if I make the most high my shelter, no evil will conquer you. You see what it says? Didn't say it won't bother you. Didn't say it won't be an irritation sometime, but it won't win. No plague will come near your home to overtake it. He will order his angels to protect you whenever, wherever you go. They'll hold you up in their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot against a stone. Remember when Jesus was walking in the wilderness, this is one of the passages that the devil brought up to him. He said, if you be the son of God, come to the pinnacle of the temple and be cast off, for it is written. See, the devil knows how to quote scripture also. For it is written, you shall not dash your foot against a stone, but the angels will uphold you. And what did Jesus say? Brothers and sisters, grab a hold of this. What did Jesus say? He said, devil, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. When the devil uses the word of God against you, all you do is pick it up and say, shut up, devil. You're not going to tempt God with his own word. You're going to be defeated by his own word. Can somebody say amen? The Lord says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. They will call on me. I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. Do you see the underlying thing? He, he doesn't say trouble's not going to be there. But I'm going to be with him. There's a, there's a little saying that many of us seem is, is sometimes God calms the storm, but most times God calms the child and lets the storm rage. I will rescue them. I will honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. Let's jump to the 139th Psalm. 
You see, the Bible says he never sleeps. He's always watching over us. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. Go ahead and underline that, because those things that we keep holding back from God, those things that we think, well, nobody knows, God knows. Those things that you think, well, nobody could understand, God understands. Those things that you think, well, if they knew about it, they would put me down. They might, he won't. You know everything about me. You know when I sit up or sit down and stand up. I started to say sit up and stand down. You know my thoughts. You know my thoughts even when I'm very far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am saying even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Here's what I was quoting earlier. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go into hell or into the grave or into Hades or Sheol, if you go back into the original language, he says, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the furthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You know what the word of God is saying? When you mess up, God says, just look up. I could ask the darkness to hide and the light, the light from around me and to become night, but even in the darkness, I can't hide. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be understood. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake in the morning, you're still with me. God knows everything about us. Look at me. He wants you and I to know him the same way. He wants you and I to get to know him the same way. You know why sometimes church gets dull and boring and doldrum? Because church becomes about the message. Or excuse me, the messenger, not the message. Church becomes about the people, not the salvation of the people. Church becomes just a social club. He said, would you? you get to know me? And if you get to know me in the way that he's talking about in his word, you'll never see church the same way again. Can you say amen? You see, the book of Psalms is one of the greatest books when it comes to examination, eradication, and emancipation. Not only is God always there, but God never changes. James chapter 1 says, Every good and perfect thing comes down from God. The Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, change is always man's greatest blessing and biggest challenge. Why? Because man's always changing, though we hate change. 
Change is good when you and I are growing mentally, physically, spiritually, but it's not good if we're growing without God. Because man, though he is always changing, he is always dying. And because of this, God gives you and I clear directions how to live this life. For the next few moments as we begin to wrap this up, let me give you some nuts and bolts, if you will. One person calls it tools. Another person calls it specific directions. I just call it simplistic life. In Hebrews chapter 3, and I don't know if I put it on your screen or not, but you can look at it in your Bible later. I've written part of the scripture down. The Bible says you and I are to stand firm. Christ as a son over his own house, whose house you and I are if we hold fast the confidence. You and I are going to go through things, but because we know God is always there and we know God never changes, we can stand firm in the promise. Hebrews chapter 4 says to hold fast this profession, this profession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was likewise in every area tested as we are, yet without sin. And because of this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, passed into heaven. Because of this, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We are to stand firm. When all hell comes against you, I don't care if it's outside the church or inside the church, some of the greatest difficulties that Christians deal with happen inside the church just from other church members. You say, Pastor, are they bad people? No better than the rest of us. It's just we all do stuff. We all have difficulties in life, and we like to make church our safe place. Folks, I'd love to tell you that's what it is, but Christ is our safe place. Am I making sense this morning? The second thing, we are told to be established. As I've preached in this pulpit many times in everything I do, if there's anything that isn't correct in this book, close it up and go home because it doesn't make any difference. From Genesis to Revelation, it is God's word. Unequivocal, without error or inerrant, without apology, we have to be established on this foundation. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, I've determined I don't know anything except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. He went on in another place and said, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation, he wrote to the book of Rome, to the church in Rome. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Gentile. All of those that believe, we need to be established. In Hebrews 13, it says, don't be carried away with various and strange doctrines. It's good that your heart is established by grace. The third thing is we are told to be immovable. 1 Corinthians 15 said, be steadfast, be immovable, knowing that nothing you do in Christ is in vain. 
And the fourth thing, and I think I could have used this as the first thing, or I could have used this as an underlying premise in all four of them. Use time wisely. Ladies and gentlemen, people I've listened to over the years say, Pastor, I'm just killing time. You've got to be careful because time has no resurrection. James Elliott, the martyr to the Inca Indians, said it better than anyone. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When the Word of God says choose our time wisely, it's not talking about order and structure per se, though it is. It's not talking about event or occupation, though it is. It's talking about choose wisely why you do what you do. Because that comes from who you are and what you are. And throughout God's word, over and over, it says, put me first, put me first, put me first. Back into our scripture at the beginning, Galatians 4. He says, you know God, or rather, God knows us. Why do we get caught up in all the activities of the world? Please don't get me wrong. I like taking a vacation. Matter of fact, I haven't taken enough. How many can shout amen? Oh, gosh, we've got a lot of vacation and people. Then you're taking too much vacation. If you shout amen, that means I need more vacations. <laughs> but the truth is, is all of us, we need those times. But even in vacation, my wife and I, when we were on vacation, even on vacation here a few weeks ago, we took, we took uh, three days and took a little vacation. Three days, we were at a Bible conference. And even in the midst of that, you know what we couldn't do? We couldn't stop talking about the things of God. Take the time, make the time, do the time. But use it wisely. Ephesians 5 says, make the best of your time in these sinful days. You see, God placed man in the garden for a purpose. Long before man was ever created. When God placed man in the garden at the beginning of time, He created an essence in man. And God had to do this. And I call that essence choice. I was going to call it will, but that's too, you know, ethereal. I wanted to call it choice. God created this essence in man called choice in the midst of the garden. Listen to me. There was no obstructions. There were no problems. There were no difficulties. There were nothing. And in the middle of that garden, God filled him with this essence. And with the essence of choice came the motivating principle, which was called freedom. God had to let man choose. God had to enable man to be free to choose. Why? Because... Love, if it's compulsory, is not love. Anything somebody is made to do is not love. And our hearts before God have got to be filled with God. Nothing I do for you is made. It is because you constrain me. Your love, you've done everything for me. So he filled Man with choice enabled man freedom 
to make his choices, whether to love him, whether to love the world. But because God knew the end before the beginning, he walked in the middle of the choice. And he said, I'm going to do something that is going to enable the choice not to be so hard. I'm going to bathe the essence of choice with my love. You see, as a pastor, this is what makes it easier for me to love the unlovable. Do the undoable. Be the unbeable. Is that a word? It went with the flow. But not just as a pastor, as a Christian. I, I kind of got beside myself on Wednesday night and said, sometimes I want to kill somebody. Don't look at me like that. You do too. And God said, I didn't kill him. I loved him. But God! God said, you got a choice. But then in that choice, I find that I'm propelled to love. I'm constrained to love. Is this making sense? See, that's why I can go through the problems, the difficulties. I know God's there. I know God never changes. And because of that, I know God's love will keep me. You see, he's given me the freedom to love or not to love. He's given me the freedom to follow or not to follow. He's given me the freedom to obey or not to obey. This freedom of choice. And in the garden, in one moment, Adam and Eve chose not to love God when they chose to use their time for their desire to fulfill their ambitions and not to listen to the voice of God. This is why God continually tells us, return to me. In Luke chapter 15, we find the story of the prodigal son. And I'm not going to get into the story. I'm just going to emphasize one specific part of it. The prodigal son had decided he didn't want to listen to his father anymore. He didn't want to live. Let me bring it to today, the Christian life. Oh, it's too constraining. It's going to cost too much. I can't, I can't be a part of this. I can't be a part of that. I want to live my life. That's what the prodigal son did. So much so that he said, I'm throwing everything aside. And I'm going to follow what I want and what I feel and what I desire. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he was gone, spending everything. The father just let him go. Look, look at me, ch- children of God. I get religious sometimes. Yeah. My brethren, look at me. God's going to let you go. He's going to let me go. He's going to let us do anything we want. He we want. Cuz that's his love. And he knows that his love can bring us back. The father of the prodigal son never wants to scripture say that he left his home to go find him. Though the Bible says God leaves the 99 to go find the one. The prodigal father never once sent out couriers or messengers to search the, the, the fields or the highways or the byways to find out where he's at. Never once. 
But as we can tell by our scripture, he never stopped looking for him. He never stopped watching for him. He never stopped praying for him. Because he knew his father's love would bring him home. And look what it says. When the boy was yet a far way off, the father had compassion and ran and kissed his neck. You see, the hope of God was originally planned for us before the fall. The help of God was promised to give us the confidence, security, and faith because the heart of God was those was, was there with us that we could know the love and mercy of God. I want to read some things as I close this morning that's going to help us understand that no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, we can trust God to always be there, to never leave, to never forsake, but to always be there waiting for us to run back to him. Let me tell you about this God. He's the one who made us. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. No means of measure can define him. His limitless love and no far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless surprise. What I want you to know today, ladies and gentlemen, is you can trust God. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong and entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast and mortally graceful. He's imperially powerful and partially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of the world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. What I want us to know today is we can trust God. He does not have to call for help, and you cannot confuse him. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of our age. It's a of everything good and you can call on him what I'm trying to tell you is you can trust him he can satisfy all your needs and he can do it simultaneously he supplies strength for the weak he's available for the tempted and the tried he sympathizes and sees he guards and he guides he heals the sick he cleanses the leper he forgives the sinner he discharges debtor he delivers the captives he defends the feeble he blesses the young he regards the ages he delivers the captive he defends the feeble he blesses the young he regards the age he rewards the diligent he beautifies the meek I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen he is a God that's always there and you can trust him he's the master of the mighty the captain of the conquerors he's the head of the heroes he's the leader of the legislators he's the overseer of the overcomers the governors of the governors he's the prince of pieces the king of kings the lord of lords you can trust him my friends His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. 
Oh, I wish I could describe him, but he is indescribable. Why? He is incomprehensible. He is irresistible because he's invincible. You can't get him off your hands. You can't get him off your mind. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Pilate couldn't stand him when he found he couldn't stop him, and Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies agree, and Herod could not kill him, and death could not keep him, and thank God the grave could not hold him. There is no one before him. There is no one after him. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. You can trust my God. Come on and stand to our feet and give him glory today. Come on, give him praise, church. Come on, give him praise in this house. He's not going to change. Come on, give him praise in the house of God. Oh, God, we thank you. He's always there. He's always there. He's always there. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.